watching a heel make a hero turn is always gratifying, especially when it's Harrison Ford doing so. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Daryl. And Jay. On the Story Geeks podcast, we love to dig deeper into geek stories, science fiction, fantasy, and comic books. Yeah, and today's topic is Han Solo's character journey. Specifically, we're going to dig deeper, which means we're going to be exploring the themes, the characters, and the thinking behind Han Solo's character journey to discover what it reveals about justice, hope, fear, love, violence, anything else that's critical to our fandom and our world at large. That's right, and we would love for you to join in the conversation, so the best way to do that is to join the Story Geeks Facebook group. It's a fantastic place to continue our discussion on Han Solo's character journey and for you to share your thoughts about anything geek-related. So click the link in the show notes and request to join. That's right, before you forget, click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss our upcoming shows. Uh, we have lots of really cool upcoming stuff. We did Raylo recently. We have the Star Wars Watch Order. Now that we have Solo, should the Watch Order change? So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of that stuff. That's right. So thank you for listening in. And as always, the Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, we have an amazing guest today. Daryl, who do we have? We have Mr. Paul Verhoeven. Nailed it. Yet again. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> back by popular demand. Oh, uh, it's right. lovely. It's really, it's lovely to be back. Um, it's, I mean, you fellas are basically the only people I get to talk with and at very loudly about Star Wars um, <laughs> outside of outside of Twitter because there's a lot of real um, there's some real fan toxicity with Star Wars online and there's just none of that here. It's a very clean, safe place, so it's you know it's it's cathartic. It's um it's good stuff. Awesome. That's what we like to hear because we don't like to have any of that negativity. We, you can be negative, but just don't let it feed into everyone else, yes. right? Like keep your opinions and let it let it sit there and don't don't hate on anybody. Be yeah. negative towards the the stuff but not towards each other. That's there how we try go. to do it. There so you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Paul, tell us about what you've got going on, what you've got coming up. Ah, okay. So, uh, I've spent the past 2 years writing a um a book, uh, Penguin picked up my first book, and it's kind of like a black comedy slash crime drama slash father-son story. I'm kind of pitching it as The Princess Bride with car chases and guns. Um, nice. So it's set in the 80s, because my dad was a cop in Sydney in the 80s, and I've written a book loosely based on his... Uh, adventures is the wrong word, because that vastly trivializes what, what he went through. But um, it comes out July 30th, and uh, pre-orders are up now, and I think you can get it overseas as well like it's going to be on amazon it's uh yeah so if you it's called loose units and it's uh super nerve-wracking i didn't realize because i'm used to doing stuff digitally and you know you guys will understand this there's something so great about the immediacy of a podcast because you just do it and it's out there and it's done it's like a it's like fast food with, with the mm. book if i stuff it up that's it. Like I can't, <laughs> I, I can't change anything. So it's it's gone to print now. About three or four days ago, it went to print, and it's currently um, sitting in a warehouse somewhere, several warehouses around the country, waiting to get shipped out. And I've I've never been more scared in my life. And also, my um my fiance pointed out the fact that as somebody who has for a lot of their life fairly aggressively pirated things that they purport to love from, from <laughs> different artistic fields, the the karma if people pirate my book will be truly staggering. So I, I've suddenly become a bit more kind 
in my assessments of films and books and TV because now I'm about to be criticized myself. <laughs> so. Now you have to reap what you sow. Yep, and I deserve a lot of uh, reaping. So yeah. <laughs> Now, Paul, is this your first book? Yeah, it's my first book. I've, I've written a lot wow. of short-form stuff, but it's a, it's a proper 275-page book. It's a book book. It's got a spine and everything. So. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like a great, a really great story, too. Like a, story, a premise for a story. That's fantastic. Well, I hope you like it. And the it's, cover's cool looking. I'm yeah. actually looking at Amazon.com right now. So, And just I, for our American listeners, it is available on July 30th on Amazon.com. Oh, you know what's go. funny? I didn't actually check and see if that was true, and you did that, and that's why you're professionals and I'm not. So hopefully, <laughs> the release goes better than that. Oh. We 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 go by semi-professional over here. Yeah, <laughs> at best. Yep. At best. Yeah. Semi at best. There you go. That's your tagline. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, should we dive into some questions here? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about Han Solo's character journey over the course of the saga. But obviously, we have to start off by talking about the Wookiee in the room, so to speak. So we've all seen Solo. We haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to talk about it. So let's talk a little bit about that right now. And we'll start with you, Paul. What did you think of Solo? Look, I'm off two minds here. Because generally speaking, when I leave a Star Wars film, I have a very strong opinion. In fact, my opinion during a film is usually forming as the film is happening. For some reason, I'm still in this wet cement phase with Solo. So, like, I think I liked it, but I don't have a strong <laughs> opinion either way. My prevailing question when leaving was, why does that film exist? Not in a nasty way. Like, I, know, I mean, I know why it exists. But of all the ancillary characters in the Star Wars universe, why did we go with Han Solo? Like, we already know Han Solo. And there's this... Yeah. Uh, so it's not that I didn't like it. I liked it. I just didn't see the point. And again, I can't stress enough. I'm not criticizing people who enjoyed it. Many of my closest friends have just been raving about it. And that's great. But I didn't come away feeling strongly either way. Um, which uh, isn't damning. But I just... I don't know. I don't... I don't, I don't maybe I need to see it again. It just, it just feels like... I th here's, here's what I think. I think what Harrison Ford has done is he's glued himself so thoroughly into the DNA of the character that anyone else playing him was always going to be an uphill battle for me. Like, it, it doesn't for matter. Sure. So, it doesn't matter that Alden has done a beautiful job. He's a wonderful actor. But it's ostensibly a young man doing a Harrison Ford impersonation, which is <laughs> great. But honestly, I just couldn't stop thinking, where's my Lando movie? Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I wanted the whole time. So I, I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was exceptional either. What, what did you guys think? I'm not too far off from that. I, I I didn't actually, just like what you said, I didn't need a Han Solo film. Yeah. It, like, it just wasn't... In fact, I've read the, the Extended Universe novels on Han Solo. I'm very familiar with his character. Mm. There was nothing there that I felt like I was missing that I hadn't had already filled in for me in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I'm like you, I would have rather seen completely new characters other than Han Solo. I'm totally on the same page with that. I did think it is what the Star Wars franchise needed right now. It's so funny because there's so much, like, uh, before the podcast, we we're talking about how much toxicity there is mm. in this fandom. And it's really weird to me because Solo is about as good natured fun as you can have in a movie. Like there's nothing heavy about it. There's no... Uh, I know that there's there's some people out there that are criticizing the 
uh, L3 for like the SJW message, but oh, I'm sitting what? there going, yeah, oh. it's ridiculous. <laughs> no. It's crazy, right? Yeah, like, who hasn't wanted to have sex with a robot co-pilot? Like, there's no, there's, there's, there's a plug for everything. Like, it's not a problem. <laughs> Sorry, I, I honestly, I didn't realize people had taken it that far. But the, my one thing about this film is, you're right, it's frothy and fun. And that's exactly the opposite of what, I mean, I love The Last Jedi, but it was a, it was a hard watch at times because it was emotionally trying. This was just, this was breezy and that's good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 by the way, uh, the movie is actually you know poking fun at that robot, anyways. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's the whole thing is a little bit of a joke. And so for people taking it so seriously, I'm like, why why are we doing this? This is just the world we live in now. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Anyways, all that to say, um, I did think it was the right film to release after The Last Jedi because I felt like The Last Jedi was super controversial. And like you said, Paul, super heavy. Yeah. And this was just, hey, this is just a good time. Like, we can have both things in Star Wars, and it's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple things. I thought that uh, Woody Harrelson and Paul Bettany, both of whom I love, mm-hmm. I think that there are some issues here in the director change because I thought that they were really average at best. They weren't bad. It was just like Woody Harrelson is not coming off the screen for me. Paul Bettany, he seems like he's not phoning it in because I don't think he does that, but he doesn't seem like he's capturing what he could capture if given the right. Maybe it's the script or maybe it's just the director change midway. I don't know. There's something there's something lacking there. I thought Alden did really well. I thought Glover was good, but I actually had higher expectations, which is probably my bad because I know Donald Glover is amazing. So I, I think more people should go see it because it's not doing very, very well in the box office, which tells me that people are hating on it without even actually having seen it. Yeah. Was there somebody in place before Woody Harrelson to no, play that role? No, not there was for Paul Bettany. Yeah, Michael Kenneth Williams. Yeah, right? but not for uh, not for Woody Harrelson. He's been involved since the beginning. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too far away from you guys. I also don't think I needed a Han Solo movie. And though I really enjoyed this movie, I don't think Han Solo needed to be in it. <laughs> like, I think it <laughs> it could have been some other character. I mean, it really could have. And it might have been better that way, personally. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm super excited about the Darth Maul reveal mm-hmm. and the, the, the prospect of getting more Darth Maul in the future. Absolutely. But I, it feels weird that it came about in a Han Solo story. I do think it made it at least surprising, though. Like, it came out like, I was like, whoa, what in the world? I was not expecting this. Yeah, but how much more sense would that have made if it was a Ewan McGregor starring Obi-Wan yeah. movie? It would have made more sense, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about all the other movies. So, Paul, we've kind of done a few of these Character Journey podcasts now since we started it off with you doing Luke. Mm. And um, we've sort of moved into this idea of walking through all of the movies that these characters have been in. So we want to do that with Han, too. So we're just going to quickly go through, you know, the five films that Han has appeared in and just want to talk a little bit about kind of what are the guiding themes for him in each of these movies? What does his character look like? So, Jay, why don't you kick us off on this one and let's start with uh, Star Wars A New Hope. Oh, uh, New Hope. Um I think he's, yeah, we'll save Solo for last. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he's the arrogant but lovable skeptic. Uh, is how I categorize him. He he's you know, basically looking out for himself. He's not interested in the rebellion or the empire. He does not give a shit about either organization. He's only interested in his personal interests at the time. 
And he certainly fits the definition of an anti-hero because, you know, despite the fact that he has this bravado uh, and his talk, all this talk he has, he still comes back in the end to help his friends. And there's just something ultimately that makes that makes him a really cool guy in this in this film. Uh, so that's kind of how I saw him in this particular film. Yeah. How about you, Paul? Well, see, I one thing I liked about Solo is that he just oh, we can't get to spoilers, can we? Uh, I want to sure be sure we really, can. You can really? spoil it as much as you okay, want. Okay, great, great. So when I he, already spoiled Darth Maul, so <laughs> how much worse good, can he get? That's a good point. <laughs> when he shoots Woody Harrelson before Woody Harrelson even gets to his gun, um, that was a nice nod to the Han shot first thing. Now I don't want to beat this dead tauntaun any more than it has been, <laughs> but I think it's important to note that. By, it's important that Han starts as a dirtbag. It's important that he starts as the kind of guy that shoots first because otherwise he has nowhere to go. So in A New Hope, he's basically just... He's just a selfish guy with, with, a, with a little bit of potential and, and a couple of good people start to draw that out of him. And it's, I think it's important that in A New Hope he starts low because otherwise he has... Because that way he has somewhere to go by the end of the series. So I, I enjoy watching... I think the moment where he comes and saves Luke is maybe the best moment in the whole film, in, in A New Hope. It's just mm-hmm. watching a heel make a hero turn is always gratifying, especially when it's Harrison Ford doing so. So, Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I agree. I don't have a whole lot else to add. I mean, for me, it was just the, the growth from the scoundrel to the guy that at least cares about people. He's still got some room to grow, but, <laughs> that's right. but he's made a big leap. Um, so let's go straight to Empire Strikes Back then. Paul, what's your perception of him in Empire? Horny. Extremely horny. <laughs> just, just, just lit up. Um, I have been reading a lot of the comics and just sort of charting the progress of the crew between the two films. Um, and look, I, a lot of it's really good. It's, it's interesting watching him kind of try and deal with the responsibility that's been thrust upon him. Um, and I guess Empire was one of those weird films because I didn't really see Empire until I was in my early teens, whereas I had a copy of A New Hope and I had a copy of Jedi on VHS. So I sort of just had this weird Empire-shaped gap in the middle. And when I watched it, it all started to make sense. But um, he's just hes just really... I think he's really good in this film. I think it's the last time I see... I have issues with Han's character and hairstyling and costuming in Jedi. I'll get to that shortly. <laughs> but in Empire, he's just operating at his highest potential. And he's just... It's its peak Han, you know? Yeah, thats I totally agree. It's like this, uh, this tough guy who falls in love and is basically there to protect his friends. I mean, at every moment of this film, whether it's there uh, in Hoth and they say Luke's not back. Well, I'm going to save him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and if, if you get in my way, like, I'll see you in hell then, buddy. Like, come on. Like, I'm going to do this. Mm. Um, and then even at the, the fact that he's, like, taking Leia to escape Vader and all that. And the moment the door opens in, the, in, in, uh, in Bespin and you see Vader standing at the other end of the room and he just starts firing just his boom. gun. He's yeah. just like, that's it, man. Like, you're, going, you're coming after my friends? You're toast. Um, he, he just has that. He's, he's no better than the end of A New Hope through Empire. Yes. That's top Han. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. The only, the only other thing I would say is I think that there's this thing that happens for... I think... You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. 
But I think there's an element of a lot of guys gravitate towards Han because it's sort of the way they wish that they could approach relationships with women where it's kind of like <laughs> check out how cool i am like you know like don't you want to get with me it's obvious you want to get with me it's like it so doesn't work and it doesn't work with leia until she can see behind that bravado and kind of like break down to see that he is trying to be there for them and trying to protect his friends and he actually has something to give back but it's this like there's this like sense that it'd be so much easier if we could just agree that we like each other <laughs> you know like it's just so funny to me so uh so it's, it's really interesting to see how that all comes together and, th and the fact that they really pushed it with the actually unplanned i love you i know is oh that's really right. characteristic of how that goes but yeah it's really interesting what yeah about you? I, I think he uh i think this is the movie where he really becomes a hero you know he becomes somebody who can truly love other people and will be willing to sacrifice himself for other people and i think getting him to this point is actually part of why I'll have less positive things to say about Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I don't know if it was handled all that well after that. But I agree. I think this is the best version of Han in any of the movies. Um, when we did our watch order, we talked about some of our favorite moments in the saga. And one of mine is the, the, the carbonite freezing scene. Yeah. Which is just wonderful. Absolutely. So... Okay, let's take a little dip in quality then and talk about Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so, why don't you start us off on this one, Jay? Actually, I'm going to defer to Paul because I think he's going to go down the same road I'm going to go down. So All right. I want to hear. I want to hear if that. Take happens. it away, Paul. I have a theory that when he was in Carbonite, he got softer. Something about his personality and his persona just sort I thought of. Thought you got... were going to say castrated. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, just, just he just burned his dick off. He's, he's just yeah. a different guy now. Um, which, do, which doesn't help explain Kylo. No, look, what, what's interesting about Han in, in Jedi is that he sort of has this... He has literally emerged from this cocoon-like structure as a different person. Now, I'm not saying that person's bad, but there is just something about... He's just gentler and... I, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't buy him as much. I'm trying to pinpoint exact moments. Um, when Luke says, I was born here and Han says, you're going to die here. And he pulls that weird smile. And then he's like, they've just done something. What always struck me as a kid, and this is petty, but I get really hung up on costume choices and hair. So he's just got this big, soft, dumb hair, which <laughs> is just, he just seems, a, he seems like a bit of a goofball. He's not as hardcore as he was in, in the previous films. And I don't know whether that's a, because of the fact that all three original Star Wars films were basically made by different people each time. Like, like let's be perfectly mm -hmm. honest. There were some unifying creative voices, but effectively, it's, it's, a, it's a collaborative process. And the third film... The third film has some of my favorite moments of any of the movies, but it also has my least favorite Han moments. Um, now, almost like he was meant to die at the end of the, first, the second film and they didn't have anywhere to go with him, but, I mean... Well that would have been the way it would have gone if Harrison Ford had his way, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but sure. Do, do, do you think... Okay, so how do you think Jedi would have panned out if he had have died? Like, what, what, what would have filled that Han-shaped gap? Would Lando and Leia have hooked up, is what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like there may not have been a gap. That sounds harsh, but it's so much the story of Luke and Vader that if Han had truly sacrificed himself, then... 
maybe it would have just raised the stakes. Yeah. I have the same, I mean, I have basically the same answer. Like he transitions into a side character. He's totally, he's totally a side character. Kind of a comedy relief side character. He's a clown. The whole Jabba sequence, he's a clown the entire sequence. Um, now it's kind of a big light blur instead of a big dark blur. I mean, like, you know, he has terrible, um, Luke and Leia get the cooler speeder ba- speeder bike sequence on Sanctuary Moon. Oh, I love that right? sequence. That's great. The entire film focuses on Luke and Vader, like you said. Um, now, he does lead the re- the rebel forces on Sanctuary Moon. Yeah. But what's crazy about that is he gives up the Millennium Falcon. Like, isn't that bizarre for his character to do? You'd think it would be like, hey, let me fly the Falcon. We're going into the Death Star. That seems like a Han thing to do. Well, isn't there something to it where it's sort of like they're realizing that it was Lando's ship to begin with, and it's kind of like Lando's ship again? <laughs> I guess, kind I of. Know. But it just is so weird because you feel like he's the pilot. He's the hotshot pilot. Yeah. You know? So it's just such a weird character break for him. But yeah, no, I, could, I couldn't agree more. He's very much a side character. This, there's no question about why Harrison Ford wanted him to die at this point. It's like you made him as cool as you could make him. Now he's... Not even hardly there. He's much yeah. cooler in The Force Awakens than he is in The Last Jedi. He's much cooler. Sorry, Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> he is way cooler than The Last Jedi. Yeah, he, for sure. He, he's he's in the background he does of, nothing in The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. He's in the background of every shot. Just there's, just there's a faint Force Ghost watermark. I just, I, <laughs> I have to believe that. Yeah. Okay, well, go ahead and let's jump to Force Awakens then. Paul, why don't you tell us about what you think about Force Awakens? I was so angry when I left that movie the first time. I was boiling with <laughs> hatred. Because like, we all feel like we were raised by these characters. And to see one of them get gutted by their kid is just... Especially if you're, if you're reading the, the books from the EU and you know about Jason and Jaina and you know about... you know, And you've, the, this guy was just like... You know, he'd been there for me through some stuff. And just to, to watch him go out like that... and. It wasn't until I talked to a couple of friends of mine who are who are dads, uh, who basically pointed out the fact that that's like that's his arc. He goes from a guy who um, will shoot someone before they can get their gun clear to someone who will walk up to a almost certain death repeatedly just because it's the right thing to do. It's an act of love. So I feel like Han's journey in the film is very three dimensional, and he gets he does he's, he gets jokes without them undermining his character. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's funny, but he's capable. He's I just I just love Han so much in The Force Awakens. Um, he he absolutely carries that film. I think uh, it it helps that I that I met him and touched him and smelled him and and just <laughs> had that moment before the film came out. Um, we should we should clarify that Paul had the chance to interview Harrison Ford. That's it's, right. It's, Nothing creepier just, than that. He was so he was so nice, it, which is which was very which helped. By the way, it did help. It did help that I'd heard rumors that he was a nightmare to work with, and then he was just such a gentleman. But I also I think I said to him in the interview, or possibly off camera, um, uh, please don't tell me whether you die in the film or not. And he gave me this look, which was like, uh, I could, it was either it was either like paternal and charming or I'm going to throw you through a window, but it was very, it was, it was very, <laughs> very strange, very deadpan. I, I think, I think Han had a really good finish. Um, and I found it far more palatable, uh, than I did Luke's initially. And I don't know why I think maybe I'm being 
worn down by having to see my heroes get killed off as if as if that's something you have to do as if there's a checklist <laughs> at Lucasfilm saying all right each of these films is going to kill one of the three core characters um, yeah. do you have you have you guys rewatched the force awakens recently and have you you know discovered anything new about it lately hmm. i watched it very recently um we did a podcast on uh the Force Awakens recently. I watched it for that. I've watched it even again since then. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I discovered anything new because I've seen it so many times and we've, we've kind of dug through it a lot. Yeah. But I was reminded of how good his character is and why we love him as a character. And I get, you know what? I guess maybe I did sort of see something new. I feel like. Maybe not something new, but I felt something stronger, which was the connection between him and Ray, and sort of the the paternal instinct of him coming out onto Ray. Hmm. Yeah. Did you notice something really specific, cool. Paul? Um, he just seemed like. Well, first of all, when he when it's established that they've all spent a couple of years apart, um, I think because we as audience members had spent you know like a quarter of a decade without these people, I think we sort of just emotionally intuited that that's how long they'd been apart. But if you check the chronology, it's like four, five years, which in a 25-year span is really not that much. But I feel like during the intervening years, his character sort of became like a... a, a re- like he really has become... A, an, an interesting parental figure and it was nice watching him slip back into that instinctively almost crawl back to it wounded after he failed the first time like it was nice watching him kind of like when he gives her the blaster and when he's you know when she says she's never seen this much greenery before and just his face his beautiful craggy face and he also has <laughs> the best joke in the film which is that's not how the force works which is yeah. just so funny i just miss him so much i've got so so i've got the lego falcon the new the new one and i've got um luke's training cave thing on ankto which is you know him and ray training and the first thing i did when i got back from the film was put old luke and old han in the cockpit of my falcon and just sit there crying like a baby for about 10 minutes <laughs> that's awesome is that the 800 dollars one no please i want that one very much but that's gonna have okay that's gonna have everyone um that's gonna yeah, have that one's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's really fascinating to me as we talk about Han because the last time we all talked, it was about Luke, and it was about how people were so pissed off about where Luke ended up. Yeah, and it's sort of weird to sit back and observe what's happening with both these characters while we're not, while we don't see them, right? Because one could argue. Uh, from maybe a real life perspective or even from a storytelling perspective that Luke's character journey actually makes a lot more sense than Hans does. Hans Hans is familiar to us because if you look at it like in the time we don't see Han, his character basically goes backwards along the same arc. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like he goes back to his former self of like saying like, well, everybody betrays me. So I don't know, we're gonna get solo. So that's gonna be even become more real. But he, he goes back to smuggling. Of all the things that he could be doing, he goes back to smuggling with Chewie. Yeah. And what's weird about it is that like, he does, it, it, his arc in The Force Awakens is a lot more 
fun for the character of Han Solo as we knew him before than Luke's is because it's a different, it's a whole different arc for Luke. But what's so fascinating is what we accept when someone goes back along their arc and looks familiar to us. When whereas when we saw Luke, we went, "Not my Luke." Well, yeah, it's not it's not your Luke because that's a different arc. Right. So, so one just, is one's regression, one's progression. So Luke has moved towards a point away from where we knew him, and Han has moved back towards a familiar point, but in a way that's sadder. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like he's he's very much the only difference between Han is that because he's been through all of these things, he says it's true all of it. Right. Like yeah. he's not a skeptic anymore. When we saw him in A New Hope, he's like hokey religions. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so, but otherwise, he's sort of the same Han. So it's sort of an interesting. I don't think. It, I think you're right, Paul. As my description is, it's it's kind of sad. It's actually kind of sad. And they, actually, his whole journey then throughout the Force Awakens, despite the fact that I love it and I love seeing old school Han back because we didn't. We're not seeing Return of the Jedi Han. We're actually seeing cool Han. Um, it is sad though. It is really sad, especially the way that he, that it, he ends, you know. Yeah, but it's appropriately sad, I think. And he does, he brings in enough of a hope and enough of an inspiration for the other characters to run off of, which is then galvanized by his death. I also think that he's planted the seeds of destruction in Kylo. I think he, I think he set into motion something which is going to. If they, if they, you know, um, have planned ahead the way I hope they have, especially with JJ back at the helm, and I think he's going to have a certain degree of investment in that arc of like Han basically set into motion a series of dominoes which are going to topple everything, because you can't kill your dad unless you're a complete monster, which I don't think he is. You can't kill your dad and not and, and get away with it. You can, first of all, you can't kill Han Solo and get away with it. That's very important to note. No matter how much people ship, I've said I said this in the last show, you can ship <laughs> Kylo with anyone you want, but at the end of the day, I want to kill him like all all the times. He's so he's, he's a war criminal, he's awful. So, I mean, but I think it sort of did have a carbonite-esque quality. Rather than moving forward as a character, he just sort of paused. He just sort of froze. He just slipped back into a familiar pattern. And it didn't, I don't think, like, I don't, I don't feel he damaged much because it seemed like when he saw Leia, they were like, if he hadn't been killed at the end of that film and if they had have defeated, you know, the New Order, I guarantee you they would have been back on. Like, everything would have kept moving forward as normal. They would have been okay. He wouldn't have gone back into space. It's like he mm. was waiting for something to pull him out of his, of his stupor. The only one of the three actually taking, like, active steps was leia and even then mm -hmm. she slipped back into her old habit of you know um coordinating military she didn't go open diplomatic channels with kylo she didn't go after him in person she they all fell back to a safe familiar space um and except maybe for luke i don't know i, I really I, i'm always going to be slightly bent out of shape that the three of them didn't have a pizza party together there wasn't some sort <laughs> of know. reunion yeah. and there might be like uh, there's not they they could i they could pull off something. I might, okay, just quickly, I need. I know this is out of out of the blue, but I need to tell you no, my, what I wanted at the end of Solo, right? So I wanted Solo to play out pretty much exactly as it did. And then I wanted to pan out to the inside of the med bay of the Falcon. And um, an old Lando has got his hand 
on um, someone's hand and he's kind of like coaxing them out of a coma and it's Han and he's rescued Han from the pit in the thing where he fell and he's like and the whole thing is him basically relaying his life story to Lando as Lando spirits him away from the, what I'm trying to say is that I wanted Lando to save him from the, yeah. the, the thing in the play but the, like I can't keep hanging on to the fact that this character might be alive I just oh and also I think are you going to do a, a Chewbacca episode? Because I genuinely think Chewbacca has got more more growth and more mileage in Solo than Han does. I think mm. I think I think I, I think, think that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. We haven't Chewie's, talked about that, but we should. I just love Chewie. I just love Chewbacca so much. You know. Yeah, you can't, it's hard not to. He's yeah. so furry and fluffy, and he can tear your arms off. <laughs> did it feel weird though? I mean, did it feel weird? His mannerisms, did it feel like, could you tell that somebody else is in that suit and it wasn't Peter? And did that feel wrong in some way to you guys? Sounds like it felt real wrong to you. It, it felt <laughs> a little wrong. I mean, it, it was fresh and it was cool to see him doing things that we haven't seen him do. But it just didn't have that, that Mayhew-esque vibe to it. I don't mm. know. It, no, you're right. It was two different actors doing impressions of characters that we loved. Side by yeah. side, like it wasn't yeah. just it wasn't just a Harrison Ford impersonation. It was also a Peter Mayhew impersonation, and they were good impersonations. But you could tell. So, again, I'm confused about who it's for. Like I'm st- even, even I'm even more confused now as to who this film is for because old school diehard fans are going to make comparisons. And I mean, is it for the kids? Is is this film for kids? I don't know. I mean, it felt to me like this was the first one that was really for the bank account of the studio. Yeah. But that didn't work out so well. So, I don't know. Well, it's odd because you put you put some directors who have some pretty important kid works in their background. I mean, the Lego movie. And then you... But then you, you just cut them off at the knees and move the next guy in. But the next guy is sort of more of the old guard of uh, who you would expect would be directing a Star Wars film. So it's kind of weird. It's, it, it is, it's not as disjointed as Justice League is with, the, <laughs> with their director switch. Few things are. Few things are. <laughs> but there's something there that's not quite right either. And I, and I don't know that Disney... Look, Disney could have pulled the plug and just cut their losses, and they didn't. So they still had to like some of what they had i so it's weird it, it, it doesn't feel like there's, there's a way to define it well i uh, if i was going to do a han solo film i would basically just make the good the bad and the ugly but it's chewy and han hiking across the galaxy handing one another in for bounties and then rescuing each other and they're being tracked by boba fett you just said it before the other films you have them just as like three shiftless dirt bags make it a space western cut almost all the dialogue out just get Hans Zimmer to do something experimental with the soundtrack and with yeah. the shootout, and then, like you don't you don't need to. Uh, what really irked me is that I found out the origin of every person, place, thing, prop, name, everything in in Solo's life. Like, oh, that's how he got his name. That's how he got his blaster. That's what those dice mean. That's what. Like, I didn't. I don't need. You know what I mean? Like, you, you diminish a thing by casting every single thing into clarity like that. Yeah, I just just. Basil exposition. It's just so frustrating to have this film. And again, the opening five minutes almost barrel the camera with the, this is who the character is. This is what, you know, like, I don't know. It just, it felt very cloying. It really did kind of repair itself a little bit towards the end. But I just, 
I think there are so many better ideas for a solo film if you were going to do one. If you were going to do one. Maybe. I really like your idea. That sounds awesome, actually. So it is weird. I mean, you, you are dealing, too, with they, they hired the writers that, you know, basically did all these old films that we really like, but that's nothing new. That's going to be a retread of old stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Really quickly, before we continue, we just want to let you guys know about several ways that you can access more content from the Story Geeks. So the first is our blog. Over at thestorygeeks.com, you can find our latest YouTube live shows and additional content written from Ashley Pauls, our blogger. So definitely check that out. Uh, we've got several cool episodes. Um, as you're listening to this, we also just recorded a Star Wars Watch Order episode, so you can go back and listen to that. And then we have episodes coming up with uh, Josh and Angie Taylor from Network 1901, where we're going to dig deep into The Incredibles. And then we're super excited about this. We have our 100th episode coming up. Yeah, 100th episode is amazing. Yeah. So we've got some, some cool ideas for that in the works, and uh, we will save them and surprise you with them. But So look ahead to that. And then we've also got a Make It Better episode on Jurassic World with Anthony Holder. That will come out the week before Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And then we've got some other really exciting stuff in the works too. So... Stay tuned for all of that cool stuff coming up. And you can find all of that at our blog at thestorygeeks.com. Yeah, and I really recommend you check that out because Ashley Pauls has a completely uh, separate opinion that she is communicating on all the podcasts. All the new podcasts have Ashley Pauls' opinions, so definitely check out those blogs. And she's a great writer. Fantastic writer, yeah. yeah it's really, really cool. You may have read some of her reviews and some of her opinions online before. Yeah, on the ESO podcast, ESL, yeah. our friends over at the ESO podcast, she writes for them too. But thestorygeeks.com uh, also has links to all the ways you can support us. Um, you've heard us talk about Patreon. Patreon is a place where fans can support creators like us, the Story Geeks. And when you support our show for as little as $3 a month, less than a cup of coffee, less than a ga gallon of gas in California right now, and less than DC a DC comic... If you support us for those, we give back to you because we actually allow you to access additional content. So as a thank you to you for supporting us, we give you additional content. We love doing that. And we always are bummed out when people miss the additional content. So please become a Patreon supporter. We really appreciate if you do that. Also, one of the other ways to support us is our new t-shirt shop. So we have merch. You can go purchase the Story Geeks merch if you want to show up with a shirt repping the Story Geeks. Um, I think the people that love this show love the way we dig deeper into all the stories we talk about. So if you're wearing a Story Geeks t-shirt, it kind of proves you're somebody that digs deeper with us on all of the coolest geek stuff that's out there. There you go. Yeah, so that's a great way to support us. So go check that out. And last but not least... We have another sponsor, Modern Mouse Boutique. Modern Mouse Boutique sells geek fashion accessories. They have some of the best mouse ears out there, hands down. If you're a Disney fan or if you're a geek in general, you need to head over to Modern Mouse Boutique. Use the promotion code STORYGEEKS. That's all one word, STORYGEEKS. No spaces. Use STORYGEEKS to get 10% off your next order. Head over to ModernMouseBoutique.com or click the link in the show notes. You know, whenever my wife wears Modern Mouse Boutique ears to the theme park, she gets a ton of looks and a ton of compliments. People love the mouse ears. Get yours 10% off and support the show. Just remember to use promo code STORYGEEKS, one word, STORYGEEKS. 
when you check out. Links to all those things can be found in the show notes or on our blog at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for letting us interrupt. Now let's get back to the show. I feel like we've talked about Solo a good bit here. So let's kind of go through and look at some of the most pivotal points in Han's journey as a character. Um, so what, what do you guys think are the most important individual occurrences that have happened to him and how do you think those things changed him or shaped him? Jay, do you want to start on this one? Yeah, and, and this was what's, what's really interesting is I liked this question a lot because as I started to process it, I realized that it feels to me like Han Solo goes through bigger arcs in Solo, which you could argue is a movie about him, so it makes kind of sense, but it goes through bigger arcs in Solo and The Force Awakens than he does through any of the original trilogy. Yeah. Because you've got, he's a, he escapes Corellia, which is a big deal. He observes Beckett and Val's relationship, um, and he realizes that he wants to have friends like Beckett has in Val and in Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a new relationship with Chewie, which is huge for his character, for a lifelong relationship. Um, his bravado plays out as he tackles the Maw to complete the Kessel Run. Um, and then, then he's betrayed, not only by Beckett, but also by Kira. And it's just fascinating to me that he changes so much. It's almost kind of like, like like you said, Paul, we need to show all of the different things that impacted Han Solo to get him into the scene in A New Hope. It's like, yeah. wow, that's a lot, though. That's a yeah. lot to cram in there. Yeah. I just got annoyed when that, when she said, you're the good guy. I'm like, don't tell him that. He has to discover yeah, that from yet. himself. Just, that it's happens, too soon. That happens <laughs> yeah. way later. He doesn't even do like, he's What's so great about him turning and doing the right thing at the last minute is that it means more if somebody has been beaten down and abused and not told and and they don't believe that they're good and then they find this spark within themselves, right? But we've got this entire film which is just just defibrillating the badness out of him. So by the time you get him to a new hope, you're like, he's already a good guy now. There's no there's no upward trajectory, right? Like it, the moment he realizes for me that he is capable of more is when he's collecting his reward and uh, just before the the Death Star run and. Leia basically chastises him and then Luke chastises him and then he walks off and he feels like genuine shame for the first time but he doesn't he doesn't not get in the ship he gets in the ship and he leaves it take it takes him repeated failures and ba- and backslips and only then we see him roar in you know over the horizon and that's his heroic moment is where he finally uh, arguably too late just gives that little nudge but the entire film of solo is just it's, it's this crucible in which he is forged into a fully formed Han, which means that I don't know if it undermines him later on. I don't think it does, but it, it, it annoyed me how much they hammered the point that he, like he, he saves the rebels. He fights the bad guys. He, he, you know, he gives the, I, I can't even remember what he gives. Does he give him back the, are they batteries? Are they like, what is he? Weapons? Something? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I tuned yeah, out. Yeah, it's that, uh. That, that fuel, the fuel, the ore, or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. He gave the he gave the dilithium crystals back to Gandalf. I don't care. Right. Gave, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like it's so. You know what's cool about mysterious strangers when they're f- mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's my argument against the entire prequel trilogy. <laughs> yep. I was just I was just going to comment on that because the very last podcast that we recorded, we did the Star Wars watch order. And 
it's interesting to me because Lucas has said, I, I want you to watch them in episodic order. And I totally reject that. Yeah. I think you've got to go four, five, six. And I don't think you can watch Solo before you see Han in four, five, six. It doesn't work, I don't think. Shocking. No, it's confusing as hell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I agree fully. It's like, and I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to keep harping on the same point, but I, because I actually really enjoyed the movie. It's a fun movie, but I definitely think it would have been better treading completely new ground as opposed to maybe you, maybe you go through one thing, right? You do the Kessel run or you do why Chewie has, why Chewie has a, a life debt with Han. Yeah. You do one thing. You don't need to do all five of Han's major character points that happen in a matter of a week or whatever it is. Yeah. And maybe they're thinking that they'll make another one and he'll go through the whole Jabba thing and that'll darken him up again and make him a scoundrel again. And then that'll lead into A New Hope. But I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to watch that no, either. No, no, no. You know? We don't need just that. Stop reverse engineering things. Just, just let them be. And also, if you're going to do watch order, I recently pitched like a very short maybe like a six minute um, edit of the three prequels. So basically you start with Anakin as a young boy. He meets Padme. He gives her this handmade necklace, you know, the little necklace he makes. And then he's introduced to Obi-Wan. And then you cut to Obi-Wan and Anakin, like fighting back to back during the Clone Wars, laughing, smiling, you know, getting along like it was implied they did, but they didn't show at any point during the goddamn prequels. <laughs> then you cut to Padme and Anakin, like, you know, like a supercut of them kind of embracing and she's pregnant. Then he has a vision of her dying. And then you have a few shots of Palpatine gradually turning him to the dark side. And then you cut to the, you know, sad music. He enters the academy. The purges begin. And then you cut to Mustafar and Anakin is choking Padme. And then Obi-Wan comes in and stops him. You can show most of that fight. And then you cut straight to the end. Anakin cuts, uh, Obi-Wan cuts Anakin down. And then they have that great exchange where he's like, you're my brother, I loved you. And then you jump back just for a moment to a young, smiling Anakin beaming at Obi-Wan and Padme. And then you cut to Obi-Wan walking away like from his burning friend. And then you cruise across to the funeral and you finish on the necklace on Padme's chest and you hear the helmet hissing shut. And that's the prequel trilogy. It's like six, seven minutes tops of the key moments with all the CGI crap cut out because what was great about the prequels for me was when they didn't exist and Obi-Wan is reminiscing <laughs> about his friend and he says, and uh, you know, he was a great soldier and he was a great pilot and then he kind of looks off in the distance Alec Guinness style and just says, and he was a good friend and then he kind of has this little reverie and he snaps out of it and looks back and th that's the prequels. Like this, this, this implication of adventure because your brain can fill in the details. Now, mm. the stakes are so much lower with Han because Han's just some roguish guy, right? He's not a galactic war. He's not a religious, you know, like Holocaust. He's, he's not that. He's just one guy. But I would have preferred to imagine rather than see. And they've not ruined Han or Star Wars in any way for me. They just didn't, like, they didn't improve on anything. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's totally. a... It's just a solid B for me. Well, if you're if you're gonna do a film, I think actually the way they did Rogue One worked really well, mm. where we didn't see all of the main characters until the pivotal points where we went, "Oh my gosh, they included Tarkin! Oh my gosh, they included Leia!" Yeah, like, but it wasn't about the main characters. It was a side story with new people. We weren't trying to mess up character character arcs. We weren't going into any of that stuff. I liked that a lot. That was yeah. perfect. It's a yeah. really well-written story that had the Star Wars vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And you came to care about new characters within the length of one movie. Absolutely.
Most yeah. movies do that. <laughs> Most movies don't need a whole saga <laughs> to accomplish that task. That's right. Um, so uh. we, we talked a bit about Chewie. Let's go down that road a little bit. Why do Han and Chewie work so well together? Why do we love them together so much? What do you think, Jay? Oh, um... Well, the first thing I think that's really interesting is that Chewie works perfectly for Han primarily because of the life debt. Because I do, I do think one thing that, that Solo points out very clearly is that Han has trust issues because of all of these betrayals. But Han, or Chewie is literally unable to betray him because he, he has what's, what's called a life debt and the Wookiees believe that that's a big deal and you can't break a life debt, right? So I think that that uh, that it works pretty well because Han has to have somebody who he has basically complete trust in, and he can do all of the fake bravado stuff. And Chewie's just there to be like, "Dude, I got your back. Like, you don't need to keep messing around." Whenever they meet new people, Chewie's always the one that warms up to them really fast and is like, "Hey, this is a pretty good person." And Han's always doing some dickish thing to him, right? <laughs> and it's like. I think that their relationship works because in so many ways they're opposites, but they're also um, really trusting and respectful of one another. Even even if they're on a ridiculous adventure and even if Han's doing something completely insane, Chewie's there to be like, well, I'm still going to make sure he doesn't hurt himself, right? Or other people too. So I think it works really well from that perspective. What do you think, Paul? I don't think you need to see how people met in order to understand that they have a bond. I think, and this, I'm not saying this is a good film by any means, because I think it's the worst of the three, but when Short Round rescues Indy in the Temple of Doom, I'm like, those two are great together. Like, they clearly <laughs> like each other. They have, they've got, they've got a, they've got an existing dynamic. They got a, like, I, at no point do I want the origin of how Indy met Short Round. Or even like the waiter who is, you know, you know. Remember in Temple of Doom how the waiter is there and he gets shot and he collapses in Indy's arms and he's like, "We went, on, we, we went on many adventures. I go first, Indy." And Indy looks genuinely mad that they shot yeah. his friend. Now, in the um, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, which is a very good third-person um, uh, RPG adventure game, uh, like one of the best Indiana Jones games I played. Later on in the game you actually meet the guy and you find out how they met. And I was gutted because I'm like, don't tell me how they met because now you've shown me and you've made that world so much smaller. So I I guess I always just imagined that Han and Chewie had a slightly more... I mean, really, where's like where's the life debt in this? Like, where's the... Yeah, I know, it's true. It, yeah, and, I love that the, concept, but the execution of it was... I'm. You know what? It's so vague that I left the theater going... I don't think that was the life debt. I think that it must occur some other time. I didn't even think about life debt until you said it just mm. <laughs> three minutes ago, but I love it as a concept. The life debt is a very EU concept. I think for the hardcore fans, it's something that was really hammered in later on, right? Like it was yeah. a real... But in the films, they barely mention it. In fact, if anything, it's more meaningful that they're just mates. The second you imply that he's somehow his like dogman slave, it's just not as <laughs> it's just not as compelling. But if like if someone is there for you you don't need to like find out how i don't know i i hope i'm not coming across as negative because it really it's just chewbacca and han that they they go they just it's like peanut butter and jelly it's just (laughs) it's just such a good flavor combination you know um yeah 
I do think that there's a there's a couple um, things that are interesting because in some of the extended universe stuff, like the um, in it's either it's either Knights of the Old Republic one or two, you learn a little bit more about what a life debt looks like, and right. it's not necessarily like you are you have to become their slave. Or it's house like pet. yeah, it's like you're choosing to do it out of respect for a, a return of what someone did for you. Um, that's Zalba, that's, right? Big Z with um. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think I actually really love exploring what some of the concepts could look like in other stories and other character arcs. Um, but I agree, it's not, not like we have to hit the nail on the head with this particular life debt. You know what I mean? Life debt. So yeah. Can you? Just, okay, here's a question: um, Is a life debt something that gets passed on to the next of kin? So by mm -hmm. by process of elimination, now that Leia's going to have to possibly pass on, does that mean Chewbacca now has a life debt to Kylo Ren? Because that is a twist. <laughs> that is a twist. Well, <laughs> I, it seems like he's sort of adopted Ray in that way, doesn't it? I mean, now it sort of feels like it's Ray and Chewie. It's true. Which I like. I really like. You know, <laughs> can you just, imagine? You imagine Chewie's life debt is just holding Kylo Ren back. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> holding his arms behind his back, like, dude, I can't let you do anything. <laughs> it's like a set of living handcuffs. I just yeah, want exactly. Okay, here's a question: If anyone was going to kill Kylo, and God, I hope it happens in slow motion. But if anyone was going to do it, <laughs> comically, who do you think should? Oh, that is a good question. Oh, that is a really good question. I could I think, go three oh. ways. Yep. Um, you Wait, you mean go three, the... three people pulling him apart from different directions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I could see him... I know you probably don't want this to happen, Paul, but I could see him sacrificing himself yep. in some sort of redemptive fashion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see Ray killing him realizing that kind of like Luke said that he just he just has to be taken out at some point mm. and then the I guess the revenge in me really just wants to see Chewie tear him apart oh I think yeah I, I agree and, and as to your first point with the redemptive thing I'm up for it as long as he dies or is maimed very badly the thing is I love Adam Driver so much he's so wonderful he's so beautiful and talented but the character of kylo needs to go the moment where he didn't um pull the trigger on his mother uh i thought was really interesting it didn't undo the bad stuff he'd done it because for me he's now he's forever going to be the person who killed han solo but i think if they found a way to kill him um in a redemptive fashion that'd be great but yes failing that his uh, Han's best friend should should pull his arms off, which is going to be really <laughs> sad for Chewie because I guarantee you Chewie babysat him at some point. There's got to be like a he's like because <laughs> that's, that's like a cool uncle. Chewie's <laughs> his cool uncle. So true. I would love to see. Here's what I would love to see. Sure. I would love to see Ray. So the the, the full Raylo thing happens with no redemption. Okay, and they're 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 lying in bed together, faces toward one another. Like, mm. oh, can you believe? Like we're We've we've basically taken over the galaxy, and you just hear a lightsaber ignite, and it pulls back, and it's gone through both of them. And Finn's standing there, and he goes, "Cute boyfriend." <laughs> 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 That's what I want to see. 
And then he says, I have one too. And then Poe comes out of the shadows. <laughs> yes. That's uh, the ultimate right there. And then Poe and Finn kiss. Yum, yum. End credits. <laughs> See, I Look. thought you were going to say that you heard the lightsaber ignite, uh-huh. you saw it strike them, and then you just heard Chewie growl, and that was it. Oh, that'd be cool too. Yeah. That'd be cool too. That's really dark. <laughs> it is. That is no. We we had a whole, we had a podcast about Raylo, and we we actually talked about the fact that I, I actually want both Kylo and Ray to die in some dramatic fashion in order to save the entire galaxy somehow. That's my that's my hope. I yeah. want them both to die. Yeah. Um. I love both their characters, but I just don't see how you can take Kylo Ren anywhere if it's not a Vader like act to die. You can't have him go on. Cause you're gonna be like, dude, the dude still did. Like, you still got. If he if he goes on, you've got to put like lock him away in the spice mines of Kessel and be like, yeah, sorry, dude. Like, this is what yeah. you get. If they in any way, shape, or form overlook the fact that he killed Han, yeah, it's gonna be a gross disappointment. Exactly. Yeah, it's it, it'll be up there with naming your kid after Severus Snape. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> he literally fat shamed and tortured people for years he outed a werewolf he's a nut like no but by all means he's the bravest man you've ever met every single chance <laughs> I get I will shit on the memory of Severus Snape <laughs> well, I think we found the guest we need for our Harry Potter series <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um Okay, man, I'm not quite sure where to go after that. Um, and you got about what, just three or four minutes, Paul? Three or four minutes. Yeah, I got three or four yeah. minutes. What? Do, all right. What do? You, what? How do you want to close it out? Is there any more Han-related stuff you want to run by me? Let me just throw this one at you guys. You got something you want to say? No, no, go for it. Okay. What more do you want to see? Do you want more Han? Mm-hmm. And if you do, what do you want? Let's do that. What do you think, Paul? I genuinely still think that I would like, not a flashback, I would like some sort of, is it possible, is it possible that just through osmosis, just by being near force sensitive, there are enough like midichlorian whatever's hanging around on Han that like he and Luke could have some sort of ghost powwow, just some sort of moment, could just something, something. Just something like that. Like, if, like even Ray walks into the Jedi Temple just before the big final assault where Luke, the ghost Luke's been training, you know, um, students. And she thinks she sees, like, Luke and Han kind of laughing together and then he disappears. And she's like, what was that? And he goes, nothing. Like, that's all, like, just, just a hint that there is another, that there's an afterlife and that Han earned his place in it would be really nice. You know what yeah. I mean? That'd be awesome. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I do know that uh, the most compelling thing to me about Solo was the thought that they could bring Darth Maul and Kira back into the storyline. I don't think it's a Han Solo film, but I wouldn't mind seeing him contribute in a small way to whether, like we, we talked about this, Lando film, you, you brought that up. I think you also brought up a... Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan film, right? That'd be huge. I mean, so, it's Darth Maul for crying out loud. Yeah. We know from Rebels that Obi-Wan eventually kills him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I don't think that I need another Han Solo film. But it'd be cool to see a glimpse of him here and there in other films, you know? Maybe he's on a pub crawl with those two dudes from <laughs> in most Eisley. <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, be good. I'll be honest. I I mean I'm I'm a little torn on this. Story-wise, it would probably be 
a bit of a weird turn, but I, part of me wants to learn that he's not actually dead, that somehow he survived the Force Awakens and some some way he shows up again in The Last Jedi. I don't care if you put I know his that's brain, not going to happen. Just, and... just, I don't care if you put his brain in a droid. I don't care if you... I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care how you do it. Just <laughs> cut to a decade later and he crawls back without his memory or f- Boba Fett rescues him. So, I don't care. <laughs> do it. There is something so rede- there's something so refreshing because that last film was great, but it was it was bleak. There would be something so nice about like a Doctor Who everybody lives moment where they're like, actually, here's how we did it. Here's how we Ocean Eleven, Ocean's Eleven yeah. style <laughs> heisted the New Order into thinking the First Order into thinking that they'd actually pulled off a coup. Here's how the last few films were a carefully constructed series of machinations to maneuver the bad guys exactly where we wanted them because there's something very boring about a small group of rebels fighting off an insurmountable force. That that's just like it's just a to and fro. I would like some proof that the good guys aren't just strong, but that they're really smart and cunning and learn something from being on the run all those years. And I think if you do that, you could potentially find it out for our sweet princely boy, Han, who I really want. I want him to be okay so bad. I just miss <laughs> him so bad. <laughs> what, if, what if there's a, there's a moment in the, the Boba Fett film takes place after episode nine and mm. Boba Fett and, and Kylo actually makes it through episode nine, Boba Fett walks up, shoots Kylo in the chest he shoots first, and he takes off the helmet, and it's old Han. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, that would be poetic right there. <laughs> oh, my God. Even, even if he doesn't remember, even if he's got this weird thing of, like, like someone says Han, and he goes, who? Like, if he, like, just give him amnesia. <laughs> dump him in a, like, have him wash up somewhere on some faraway planet. Have it, like, do whatever you need to. Or canonize the EU books. And have them like set in a mirror universe where he's still okay. But then you've got a dead Chewbacca. It's literally, it's like a no-win situation. <laughs> That's true. So stressful. That's so true. Well, we can hope, right? We can hope. Well, Paul, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Anytime. Get me yeah, on to man. do some Snape hate, which I guarantee you, anyone who ships like Raylo is going to hate me because they're the same <laughs> exact type of people who love Snape. So bring it on, I say. Uh, All right, we'll do it. We'll do it. Real quick, tell everybody where they can find you, um, where they can find the book in July and all that good stuff. Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, at Paul Verhoeven on Twitter, um, if you head to Amazon.com, you can, as I just found out like an hour ago, pre-order my book. (laughs) Uh, It's called Loose Units. It's out July 30th. if you're an Australian listener, there's going to be uh, launch parties and launch events uh, all over the place, and it's available in bookstores. It's available online. Loose units, please buy it. Apparently, apparently, uh, in order to make money, you need to sell the book that you wrote. So, <laughs> buy it. Is that a good sale? I don't think it is. Anyway, it's um, buy it because Paul's awesome. Why not? Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll quietly agree with some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been it's been super fun again, Paul, and we will definitely have you back on in the future. The, and I think our listeners love you too. So, oh yeah, you got to make sure the listeners are happy. Oh, anytime, literally anytime, unless I'm busy, awesome, in man. which case, not then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. See ya. Take All it right. easy. Bye. Well, it was awesome to have Paul back on the show, but that is it. That is it for today's show. So special thanks to Paul for joining us. 
all the way from Australia, yeah. which is awesome. It's always trying to weird trying to figure out what the time zone difference is like. And it changes. <laughs> like it? last time we recorded this, it was a 19-hour difference. Yeah. This time it was a 17-hour difference. Whoa. Because oh. our daylight savings goes one way and theirs goes another. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I don't even know. Coming up next week on the Story Geeks podcast is our show on The Incredibles. Get ready for Incredibles 2 by listening to us talk about the first Incredibles with Josh and Angie Taylor from Network 1901. You're going to want to make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on that. And be sure to connect with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. Let us know your thoughts on this show. Give us some ideas for future shows. The link to the Facebook group along with all of the other links that you need are in the show notes. Yeah, and if you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcasts, please share our show with a geek friend or maybe a non-geek friend who's really into some of the movies that we've been talking about. Um, just share it with them. To check out all our other content, all the stuff we've been talking about, head on over to our blog at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth. <laughs>